Today is September 22nd, 2010, and you are listening to FatCast. to fat cast and today we want to marianne is with me of course say hi marianne <laughs> <laughs> hi it happened oh we want to talk today about um sort of i i think i mean this is sort of a vague topic but i think what we want to talk about is international fat activism and uh sort of being enabled by the internet and i think the most recent and um, awesome thing that you and I both got to participate in was Ditto Watch. <laughs> Ditto Watch 2010. <laughs> Ditto Watch was a hashtag that I forget who um, started it on Twitter originally. I bet we could trace it back if we really wanted to. I'm um, pretty sure we could. But Ditto Watch was a hashtag on Twitter because uh, the new Beth Ditto collection for Evans, which is a UK retailer, was supposed to come out on Friday. And Midnight Friday in the UK is like 7 p.m. East Coast time. Or, and, you know, earlier still, the further west you go. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it started with U.S. people, and then eventually the Australians joined in, I think, when it was morning um, for them. <laughs> and well, I know, I know that my participation, um, Natalie... Perkins of Death and Natalie and I were sort of mutually like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it had started earlier in the evening for us with you and I and Julia being like, mm-hmm. where is it? Where is it? Refresh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I but, sat down around six and started refreshing the page, thinking like, wow, you know, I, I didn't really expect it to go live at midnight because as you so astutely observed, None of their customer service lines are open in the middle of the night, so it kind of wouldn't make sense if they put it on the <laughs> website, knowing that people, you know, invariably people are going to have issues, um, and there'd be no one for them to call. So, but I, I was like, screw it, you know, at least for the hope of seeing it, which we did get to do by, yes. you know, 6.30ish, um, I had gotten the collection page to load, and uh, that, you know, so it was tiny little thumbnails, but... You know, it it gave you sort of an idea of what things were going to be like. And, of course, there's coming soon over, like, the one dress that everybody wanted, um, which I I hope is going to be not, like, coming sooner than rather than later. Well, but, here here here's the, the tragic thing about that. Hmm. It's on the website as out of stock right now. I saw that. I refreshed it a bunch of times, like, over the course of the day yesterday. I actually went apple picking yesterday, and at least once while apple picking, I took out my phone and refreshed that page to see if it was in stock yet. Which is- a, a woman on Twitter re- reports that it must have sold out in a matter of hours, and I'm like, maybe it's just a preliminary page. There's Yeah, there's no way that it would have sold out that quick. Um, particularly considering nothing else that yeah. launched on on Friday has sold out yet. I mean, I think oh, there were a, few, a couple. The, the belt sold out. The belt sold out, which they probably didn't have that many of the belt. Um, and I think a few things might have sold out in, like, lower-end sizes. Like, I think yes. a couple of things were sold out in a 14. 
Yeah, the um, floral leggings. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like there was something else. But, um, so yeah, so this, the, I totally just lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? <laughs> Shit. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to amuse you, Mary. <laughs> oh, 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 You're usually so organized. I know, I know. But when no, so. like happens, it's amazing. So all evening, pretty much, where, you know, a bunch of us are refreshing pages and trying to get things to load. And while at the same time sort of complaining about it on Twitter. And someone came up with the data watch hashtag. And then it just turned into this this fantastic group virtual, you know, long distance shopping event. Where it turned into an international fashion frenzy. It really did. And Take I, in the water. I had planned for myself, I had planned, okay, I'm just going to set my alarm for ridiculously early when they're, you know, because their um, customer service lines, I think, open at like 9 o'clock their time. So I was like, okay, I'll just set my alarm for like 4. And I went into bed. And we sort of like half asleep and I get a text from you saying, <laughs> it's on! <laughs> and I like leapt out of bed and ran <laughs> out into the computer. And and then the Data Watch hashtag was all people like like the, the triumph of victory and the agony of defeat because some people were able to load pages and get stuff in their shopping cart and some people couldn't get anything to work. So it was like this, you know, like, I have blank in my cart and oh my god, why isn't this working? I want to die. And, <laughs> and that went on for a while, too. <laughs> I had set my alarm as well. I was like, okay, I'm... I am also giving in to this ridiculousness. I'm setting my alarm for 4 a.m. as you did as well. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of sleepily refreshing as I tried to go to sleep. Like, you know, laptop, in bed, whatever, watching Twitter. And then all of a sudden a product page loaded for me. And there was no way I was going to sleep then. <laughs> no way. So when I was able to load things to my cart, that's when I texted you and was like, if Leslie misses out on this, oh, no, (laughs) she'll never forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that was sort of because there were a bunch of people who were also on Twitter being like, I don't think this collection is that great. And what, what sort of fascinated me was that it wasn't really even about that. Um, You know, like, yeah, the clothes, you know, some, I think some of the, the, the pieces are freaking awesome and amazing. Like, I'm really happy about the the big spot dress with the little Peter Pan collar. I love that. Um, but, you know, yeah, as a whole thing, yeah, there's a lot of there, lot there that I just won't wear because this is not my thing. Um, but it's sort of, for me, the experience wasn't even as much about, <clears throat> like, being in love with the whole collection and freaking out about it as it was that communal shopping experience that, you know, I don't really get to have because I don't have many. I have lo- loads of fat female friends, but none of them live locally to me. Well, with a well, couple of exceptions. I mean, I there's there's. But the thing is, is that the fat female friends that I have local, it's not like there's that many places we can go to shop together that aren't like a Lane Bryant or an Avenue. And frankly, that's not a lot of fun. Jeanette has been my friend. Jeanette has been harassing me for like a year um, to go to. Uh, uh, there's a rainbow. Um, which I hate going to Rainbow, and I've been avoiding <laughs> going because I always wind up buying some piece of crap trendy thing that lasts like two washes, and I'm happy about it for about five minutes, and then I re- regret the purchase completely. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, so I mean, there's some, you know, I have some options for communal fat lady shopping, but you know, it, it, there aren't that many actual places where we get excited, you know, yeah. about going um, because there's something special going on or because you're so, a really awesome. It's sort of, I almost was thinking of the various designer collections for that H&M has done where yeah. people would freak out or line up first thing in the morning. Um, I know, like, the one of the more famously sold-out ones was, I think there was a Stella McCartney one that, um, like, people just clamored like freaks for, and a ton of it sold out the first day. And yeah. I, that, I always was sort of fascinated by that, not because I like stressful shopping experiences, but because it's, you know, it's an experience that was close to me. That, you know, well, yeah, I can go stand in line, but none of this stuff is going to fit me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, I think it was it was not even as much, although the clothes, you know, are definitely a big part of it. Because if, if all of this stuff, like if Lane Bryant was releasing a new Moo Moo collection, we wouldn't be freaking <laughs> out about it. <laughs> so, that's an element. But I also think the community um aspects of it were what made it that's what kept me going back to twitter and hanging out even after i was pretty much done shopping it was just like i I don't want this to end like i want to be able to you know sort of have this common this common excitement with people over something as dumb as consumerism but still you know it's like an american rite of passage (laughs) that we don't get to do much There are so many instances where fat women are bemoaning the state of fat fashion, Mm -hmm. where we're all miserable because we're underserved and, oh, Lane Bryant's releasing a new Moo Moo collection. Woohoo! I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it was, I stayed up, I was up until like one in the morning, even after I had purchased the things that I wanted. And it was, it was so like positive to see other people so excited you know the 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 frequency of our positive shopping experiences especially in a communal sense is is really low i mean what we spend our time talking about is how the the sizes don't you know run true and the style is three seasons behind and I mean we we always talk about the problems of fashion mm-hmm. and to have an opportunity to actually share like a really positive shopping experience with people is is I think a hugely powerful thing yeah I totally agree I think that you know, <laughs> yeah sure yeah mm, whatever. I mean well I mean seriously because like we said that's not something that you know, particularly, um, you know, big giant fats that, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's one thing if you, you know, are a little more either, either if not in between straight up, a little more in between friendly. Um, but when you get to a certain size, you know, it's not even like I can go in to Forever 21 and pretend that shit is going to fit me. Even the Faith 21 stuff, it's just, it's, I can't even fake it. Like, I can't even, like, you know, lie to myself that this is a possibility for me. Um, I was kind of feeling that yesterday a friend texted me that they had gotten a bunch of um, Faith 21 stuff, and I was asking them about the fit in the vain and fading hope that maybe, <laughs> maybe, 
maybe it's better than I thought. And I don't know. Like, if it's too small for her, it's not going to fit me. Yeah. And I feel like particularly when, you know, I mean, I have, you know, measurements that, like, my actual shape, that if I were more traditionally hourglassy, yeah, it would probably fit me. But because I'm thicker in the midsection, um, it becomes, and also my shoulders, it becomes, like, almost impossible. That, you know, know, maybe if something is sort of cut like empire and, you know, the sleeves are not real tailored, I might be able to jam myself in it. But the odds of finding something that is cut that way that I actually like are pretty slim. Well, there's there's also the idea that, you know... I don't want to give my money to a company when I have to jam myself into their clothes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why do I want to give them my 20 bucks in the first place when I've had to spend three hours going through, you know, they're they're sort of, I don't know. Well, that's Um, partly, (laughs) (laughs) that's partly why the Evans collection is, is a big fucking deal. And I think it's something that people don't necessarily you know, if you wear, like, you know, a 20, you might not realize. But the Evans collection goes to a UK 32, which in U.S., like, according to convention, that would be about a U.S. 28. Um, I think that stuff runs a little, I think it's probably closer to a U.S. 30. Um, I have. On, it might be between. I, I was looking the other day because I have a couple of um, dresses from Evans that, and you have one, actually, that I got and I think i sold to you on live journal at some point yes i was about to mention that it's a little blue pinafore and i changed the buttons on it and i think it's a 32 yeah but it's a fairly roomy 32 and i have the domino dress uh that a friend gave me at convergence recently and it's a 26 and the domino dress is from the best ditto collection of last year just for people who don't know what the heck that means the domino dress <laughs> is one of those things that you look at groups of fat people gathered together and you're like, oh, my God, it's the domino dress. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, true. it's it's one of those like I and, and the red zigzag dress is going to be the exact same way. People are going to be like, oh, my God, that's the red zigzag dress from the Beth Ditto collection, blah, blah, blah. And how often do we get to do that? I mean, yes, you and I recognize like. We can reminisce about specific torrid miniskirts throughout mm-hmm. the years, but we can't. We aren't doing that because the fashion is particularly iconic. Mm-hmm. But Beth Ditto wore that domino dress with some domino leggings, which I, I thought was a questionable pairing decision. But was a little was that a little over the top for you, Mary? A little I'm too unrestrained. Saying, <laughs> when, when I'm like, huh. She went a little crazy there, didn't she? <laughs> when Marianne thinks you've gone a little crazy, <laughs> that means you've really gone a little crazy. Well, you know I have, like, this difficult relationship with Prince anyway. Yeah. yeah. Not like Prince, you know. Not Prince, the, the like, symbol, you know, windows but... cry, but Prince, like, no. like, printed fabric. Yes, printed fabric applied to my person. <laughs> <laughs> you had another point there that I wanted to go back to and I just totally forgot what it was. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but, oh, no, but the I, sizing, the sizing, the sizing. Yeah, the size. So like I've got this this Beth Ditto Domino dress in a 26 and I'm like my ass is a 2830 and the part where the dress is tight is not my ass. <laughs> 
So I ordered um I ordered two things and I ordered them both in a twenty eight. I got the um spot dress and I ordered it in a thirty because I was worried about the sleeves. And yeah. um and not so much the waist because I understand it has elastic through the back, so that should be fine. But you know, I figure eh, it's gonna be big. Everything I buy tends to be big in the bust in me, but given from what I could tell of the style it would be an easy alteration. So I went with a thirty just to be on the safe side but yeah i have a couple of other um which i realized after i placed that order i have a couple of other evans uh, dresses that are 32s that um i wear pretty continuously actually they're they're starting to get a little faded which yeah. makes me super super sad because i love them so much i um, wear the hell out of that little blue pinafore yeah i think though that the sizing in the beth ditto collection and the sizing in the rest of the evans stuff may be different it's possible. It's entirely possible because I the Best Ditto collection is pretty much um, sort of a standalone thing yeah. from Evans, I think. And um, I think that – but that really is sort of the critical – one of the critical things to remember about this is it's not just a celebrity – I mean, the fact that it's sort of a celebrity – you know, collection for one is awesome enough. And it's awesome that Beth has been so vocal and so committed about doing this with Evans because I don't know how many people know this, but originally Topshop approached her about doing a collection. They had done one with Kate Moss and Topshop, my understanding is sort of like a, a trendy um, straight size chain of stores in the UK. And Beth said no because she couldn't, you know, fit i mean i actually beth probably could jam herself into some of their knits because she does that a lot with yeah um, you know <laughs> yes, <laughs> and she, she looks does. awesome <laughs> but amazing. i think her point was that you know obviously these are not clothes that are made for her there's nothing at yeah. that store that's made with her in mind and as a result she wound up doing this with evans which is a uh, you know, it's 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 basically the Lane Bryant of the UK. They have some awesome stuff from time to time, like that pinafore and the two dresses that I have. But most of their stuff is like frump city. It's just not, yeah. in my humble opinion, um, it's just not cute <laughs> at well, all. One of the, that was one of the funny things on Ditto Watch and one of the, the funny comments that I've gotten to my blog from people in the UK being like, I hate Evans. I've been ordering from Old Navy. And I'm yeah. like, the grass is greener on the other side <laughs> of the Atlantic. But I mean, one of the things that even in the like, even in the middle of the fervor of Ditto Watch was that this collection, especially when it launched that night, had barely over 20 items in it. Yeah. And there were people in the U.S., like up at 1 a.m. There were people in Australia in the middle of their work day. There were people in the UK. There were people from various other places. All like <clears throat> internationally freaking out about this. Yeah. Like, and that's with barriers of international shipping, the usual hazards of internet shopping, which is that you don't get to try shit on, mm -hmm. which is compounded by, I don't, know what the hell their sizing system is and also by the reality that very often with international stuff you have to sort of make peace with the idea that if this doesn't fit i'm stuck with it yeah because you know yeah you might be able to ship it back but shipping it back might cost you almost as much as the item itself evan's international shipping has gotten a lot more reasonable 
Um, I don't know how much yours was. Mine was like eleven bucks, like American. Oh. Mine was seven pounds fifty. Yeah, that's what mine what was. That so is. That's, that's it's about eleven bucks according to the currency converter I was using. And but, I think, and I was like, well, I looked at that and I'm like, dude, that's like cheaper than my last torrid order. Yeah. <laughs> like, what you can you can spend more shipping on one stop plus. Yeah, easy. But the With, thing is, is they get they get deals for that um, yeah. when they have a, an audience, if, when they know that, you know, they have an international audience as, you know, someplace like Evans, which probably ships to Europe and stuff, I'm sure, um, does. Oh, but, when, but if I wanted to go, if I got, you know, three things from them and none of them fit and I went, you know, toddled off to the post office to ship them back, it's going to cost me a lot more than, you know, seven pounds fifty. <laughs> it's going to cost you a lot more and you have no idea when it's going to get there. Yeah. Because the reality of international shipping when you're an individual is that God only knows when anything is going to arrive, if it arrives, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that you know, is definitely a barrier, particularly, you know, for, I mean, you know, I kind of, the, the, the Ditto Watch thing, part of what cracked me up about it was that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, dude, I'm in a major metropolitan area in the u.s <laughs> and i probably have more options unless for for fat shopping unless like i lived in like san francisco or something like that yeah. um but i have way more options than the vast majority of people on the planet and i'm still like mine 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 gimme 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 <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the this you know special this collection and this opportunity so and i think part of it too is that you know i know for you and i um we both sort of you know didn't really invest in the last uh the last year's collection i've had um, dreams about a particular item from that collection <laughs> tell that us about I your dreams Okay, so the last collection, I was like, oh, domino dress. Oh, this acid wash, high-waisted denim pencil skirt with a zip down the front. Like, just saying it, my mouth starts to water. <laughs> like, it's, it, I'm telling you, it's incredible. And I didn't order it because international shipping, because I don't know how UK sizing works, because I just waffled too long and then it was gone. And if anybody has that in a size 28, call me. Um, <laughs> and for a year, like ever since that collection came out, I have regretted it intensely because, well, I mean, we've talked about this before. If you pass up that one item, it, chances are really good. You're never going to see it again. And I passed it up and it has appeared in dreams as like an unattainable object. <laughs> I know. Like, I wake up and I'm like, Marianne, there's something wrong with you. And then I try to go back to sleep so that I can wear that fucking skirt. And <laughs> even in my dreams. And so when I was still at work when you started texting me um, about the preview. Oh, and right. you texted me specifically about the denim skirt that is in this one. And I was like, I am buying that motherfucking <laughs> skirt. Oh. Uh. And I made that noise, and I may have frightened my coworkers, <laughs> who had no idea what was going on. Fortunately, like, it was like 6.30 in the evening, so most your people... Your coworkers were probably like, who is she talking to? <laughs> <laughs> you could have come to my cubicle and seen me, like, gesturing emphatically at my phone, like, oh, fuck it, I'm buying that skirt. 
And I still want the other skirt. So like I said, call me. But it was like this moment of it was a second chance, you know, like it ought to be a goddamn after school special mm-hmm. about second chances and redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ridiculous because it's a denim skirt. It's yeah. a high waisted denim pencil skirt. But this, yeah, this this also sort of plays into something you and I have both talked a lot about that it's not just clothes. Yeah, and that's something that's sort of critical because I'm sure there are lots of people who are both vocal and not vocal about you know the the told did I watch like freak out and who are sort of feeling like what the hell is the big deal like why are you guys freaking out about this mediocre, you know, release of clothing? And it's it's because it's not just clothes. There's so much culturally and socially and even, you know, sort of self-esteem-wise that is wrapped up in how we dress and how we present ourselves. And I think that to just sort of put it down as, oh, it's a collection and I don't like anything in it, is kind of short-sighted because yeah. even if you don't like anything in it, um, the fact that this is being marketed to you, particularly if you're a great big fat, um, that this is available <laughs> and marketed to you is an awesome thing because, you know, the the possibility from that is, well, if we continue to freak out and patronize these sorts of releases, that might motivate other mid-range retailers to, you know, improve their offerings and, you know, actually try to give us what we want. I think anyone aware, any retailer aware of Ditto Watch who still says that fat women won't spend money on clothes is actively deluding themselves. Totally. Actively and (laughs) self-harmingly. Because, you know, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. The, um, the, the, one of the, I, I found it actually, like, one of the things that somebody said on Twitter was that they'd never had this sort of group shopping experience before. Mm -hmm. And you can see how, like, how real that was for everyone. And you can see in some of the other tweets that are like, oh, I've got $600 in my cart. I don't know what to get rid of. That when you provide that experience, even if it's not, I mean, it's, there were, there were plain black leggings in this collection and people were buying them. It's, it's a classic (laughs) example of if you build it, the fatties will come. It's, it's, (laughs) yeah. You know, it 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 go it banks on two things. One is that, you know, this is a collection that caters to a certain style that has not been represented before. In the last collection, there was this crazy ass T-shirt with a cat on it yeah. and rhinestones where its eyes were. And it was really interesting at that point because you could sort of see where the age demographic was starting to split in the mm-hmm. photosphere. Yeah, because there were people who were like, what is this? shit and other people who were like oh my god I want that cat t-shirt <laughs> and I was kind of like I kind of want that terrifying cat t-shirt because it had those little rhinestone eyes that were just creepy it was great um, but but so it combines like serving this this style that has not necessarily been addressed I mean I think Torrid 
kind of addresses it in the U.S., but not as head-on as the Beth Ditto collection does. You know, like, it is on point with the is, trends. It's, it's fucking and, on to the break of dawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And it provides, I mean, through the magic of social media, it provides that experience. And so when you combine the two, when you give us something we can, A, feel good about style-wise, and B, share in this communal shopping experience that most of us have never had, like, we, we lose our minds. It's true. It, and it's I a did, perfect storm. I just want to talk a little bit about why... Um, this is different from Torrid because I think it is. I think oh, I think it's totally different. I think some of the differences are it go it goes most importantly goes to larger sizes in Torrid, which is is really I mean this is why I want to try to impress upon people why that is so amazing that even Torrid, which is the pseudo trendy fatty retailer in the U.S really reliably only goes to a 26. They have some stuff that is in extended sizing now, but it tends to be like jeans or yeah i get really angry about their skinny <laughs> jeans yeah and you know they they but the vast majority of stuff the vast majority of the stuff that is actually stylish tends to stop at a 26 and yeah. that i mean obviously that's a decision that they have made for and it's also worth noting that the extended sizes are only on the website and not in store which i don't know why any of us would be surprised by that but whatever um, <laughs> obviously they have made a market decision to stop at a 26 and it works for them and whatever. But the thing is with Torrid, when Torrid first launched, it had the same sort of mythology and, and reverence. <laughs> um, it, it invoked that in the same way that the Beth Ditto collections have. Yeah. Because when Torrid first launched, it really was an edgy retailer. It really was speaking not try it wasn't trying to reach as many people as possible it was trying to speak to a fairly specific subsection of plus size shoppers who wanted stuff that was different and probably i mean at the time it was mostly goth and punk stuff um which i don't even know if kids are doing that anymore i hope they are they're still doing that <laughs> But, you know, that that was mostly but still it was it was of the moment. It was subcultural. It was, you know, this sort of underground, amazing opportunity. And I know I, I was in my 20s, I think, by the. Yeah, I was um, when Torrid originally my early 20s when Torrid originally launched. And I was freaking out, even though I mean, it, technically, they were really aiming at people probably a little younger than me. But I was freaking out because I'm like, these are these are all the clothes that I've wanted. And yeah. you and I talked in our Goth Memories, you know, mini-sode about yes, sort of making love out of nothing at all, as Sanara and I have often said, <laughs> that, you know, where <laughs> you're, you're taking, like, you know, pieces of clothing that are not meant, you know, you're, like you're, you're inventing shit from the scraps that you have. So, you know, a, a, a lace cami that's supposed to be worn under stuff from Lane Bryant becomes a clubbing top because there are no clubbing tops that are made in your size. So I think the fact that Torrid has really sort of, and I, I know there are people who, I know you are one of them, I know there are people who still love the shit out of Torrid, but I miss the Torrid that, of the not that I would still be interested in this stuff, but the original Torrid, I would go on that site and like everything blew my mind. 
everything on the site. Over though, like I like the stuff that I get from Torrid now, mm-hmm. but they could have it all back if I could have my goth Torrid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I was on the Dr. Phil show, I was wearing Torrid. Mm-hmm. You were wearing that awesome ruffled dress, which is now on clearance, and I keep debating whether I should buy it because it I looks loved... like such shit on the site. I and I loved it on you, but then I look at the picture on the site, and I'm like, oh my god, it looks so bad, but it looks so cute on Marianne. And then I doubt, like, well, maybe it won't look cute on me. Maybe <laughs> it's like a special Marianne thing. It's not a special. <laughs> thing I promise here is the thing that I have noted about really good plus size fashion inevitably the stuff that looks the best on me looks like hell on the hanger Mm -hmm. looks like hell on the size 12 model and it's because like you need an actual fat body to fill that shit out yeah you know which is not to deny the fatness of size 12 models but to say that my body bears very little resemblance to theirs. And so the stuff that looks good on me, like there were some things in the Beth Ditto collection that I was like, huh, huh. and then I saw it on a fat body. Um, La Pocket Rocket went to Evans and then twit picked. Yeah, I saw collection. I saw I went and, and looked at all of those. Actually, I'll link to her her feed in the um. Okay in the show notes when when she posted the picture of the floral pocket dress i was like oh my god i i wish i had purchased that even though i never wear prints and i mean just seeing it on a person made all the difference in the world and like the blue velvet dress that i did purchase that i am so excited about (laughs) i'm gonna wear it with my gold boots with spats oh that'll be amazing i may have (laughs) my hot pink parasol um when when she posted it like i felt this warm glow of validation (laughs) that it because i mean it's such an uninspiring photo well and And the the tank dress the tank dress is also a huge deal like if they've got it pinned all slinky and sexy so that it looks like a thin dress Mm -hmm. but the picture of beth wearing it is what blows my mind and makes me want to buy it. Right. Like, fat clothes need fat bodies in them to look good. And so that that's kind of what I think might be happening with the ruffle dress at Torrid, is that it's on a person who is not fat enough for it. <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting point about um, some of the reactions to the Evans collection, um, is that, like, there's a lot of stuff in that collection because Evans doesn't photograph stuff on models. They put it on stupid freaking little mannequin-y torsos. So, and then they Photoshop that out, so you just have this sort of floating tops. I mean, we've all seen this. Torrid tried this for a while, and people were like, ah. Oh. And then they brought back the models. But That's great know, being weird. Yeah. <laughs> and But it's just like, you know, you have sort of floating clothing that obviously never had a real body inside it. And that is, that makes it harder to sell. I mean, it's I'm a harder sell. I really liked that, the big spot dress, um, a lot, like, just in concept. And then when I saw the picture of Beth wearing it on the actual collection website, which is, I just want to note, the whole collection website is Flash. And, guys, that's idiotic. I don't know if anyone from yeah. Evans will ever hear this. That's 
fucking idiotic. It's incredibly inaccessible for anyone who has to use a screen reader or anything like that. It can't be loaded on a phone. Um, that like, was something what, that actually has taken to actively pissing me off. Like, if you're what a the real fuck estate were they company, thinking? if you're a real estate company or a clothing company or anything where people might look you up on the phone reliably, make your phone your sites mobile compatible, people. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really 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 made me very angry. But anyway, that aside, um, there is a picture of Beth wearing the spot dress. Um, and, and actually in the little mini film thing that they have on the Evans site, which is sort of hilariously art school, um, <laughs> she's wearing the dress. And that really sold me on the dress because seeing an actual fat person as opposed to floaty, you know, disembodied dress really gives you more of an idea of what it's going to look like and, and how it's going to, I mean, Beth and I are obviously not shaped the same, but, you know, it gives me an idea of, well, if there's actual living flesh underneath that, this is what you can expect it to you know, look like. Here's and that is, yeah, that's, and that's, you know, part of my issue with some of the stuff that looks bad on Torrid is I really do blame the fact that they have much smaller models now than they used to. Here's a question. Would you rather see disembodied floaty clothes or clothes on straight size models the way One Stop Plus and Romans and that whole thing does it? Um, if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably still pick the models. I hate really? that. I hate the straight size models. Um, I hate that One Stop Plus persistently uses them. Um, I know the reason is because their sales plummet when they don't. If they use actual, and this is actually like this has been studied and shit, y'all. Like they've tried and people stop buying when they use fatter models. Which I don't. I know that you know the the automatic response to that is oh it must be aspirational. People don't want to buy something they see on a fat person because they're worried it's going to make them look fat and because fat people are stupid and they all think they're thin. Um, I don't buy that. I think the problem is that their clothes suck. And if they made clothes that fit fat bodies better, then they could put them on plus size models and people wouldn't think, oh, I don't want to look like a fat person in a shapeless frock. Um, I'm not going to buy it. Instead, they would think, oh, there's a fat person wearing something and she looks awesome. I want to buy that, too. So I think well, the, the answer to that is don't make fucking shapeless frocks. Yeah, us. don't make ugly clothes. Yeah. And tailor them. Like, seriously. We're not just, yeah. you know, shapeless blobs of, of of fucking, I don't even know what. I get sort of inarticulate when I'm raging. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, bust darts turn me on at this point. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, that's beautiful princess seeming what do i what what to what do i owe this honor oh my so. god yeah but yeah um <laughs> i actually you had brought up dreams um earlier and i meant to and i forgot that i meant to say i actually had a dream last night about the best ditto collection that i dreamed that i was refreshing on this is so so freaking re- i mean i had a dream about other things just so people know um, but I was refreshing on that stupid zigzag dress, and then the collection magically expanded, and there were like a hundred things in it. And I'm paging oh, that was through. A good dream. Yeah, I'm page. Well, this is this is. I totally blame you for this because there was a series of like Adam Ant inspired like Woo! blouses and jackets. <laughs> And I'm paging, and there were like 10 of them, and I'm paging through, I'm like, oh my god, I have to text Marianne, and I think I actually like reached for my phone in my sleep, and then I woke up. 
That's incredible. I'm here to say if there were a collection with 10 Adamant-inspired blouses, I would buy all 10 of them. And there were jackets, like the military oh. jackets, too. <laughs> oh, and, like, my heart is bounding. <laughs> but, yeah, I had to share that with you because I knew it would make you really happy. It does. I'm like, oh. I have a ba- I have an everything bagel that my husband brought me Yay. and a beautiful mental image of <laughs> Well the other the other thing I wanted to to sort of touch on in this vein was um remote shopping which is something that you and I have done. Yes. <laughs> the last last time I, I think it was the last time. I think it was I, the last time I, I was in New York. <laughs> I went to redress and I don't remember, I think you had initially, had you asked me to look for stuff or did that just happen organically? I well, know my friend Jeanette asked me. What happened, once again through the magic of Twitter, and damn you Redress for doing this, Redress <laughs> tweeted about all of the uh, fashion overdose stuff that they had gotten in. Mm-hmm. Fashion overdose was a label that actually went under, but they did this really wild, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but these crazy clothes in, in pretty substantial plus sizes. So continue. Yeah, they did a lot of indie designs in the full range of plus sizes, and it was very sad that they went under. But uh, Redress got this huge like shipment of all of the rest of their stuff, basically. And so when you went, I asked you, I think, to you know, sort of check it out and see what's going on there. I think I think Deb had posted about lace leggings. And I was like, if you're there, would you get me a pair of leggings? Yes. And what that turned into was <laughs> me sitting at my desk on my lunch break, paging furiously through photos as Leslie texted me them. <laughs> and, like, tried things on for me since we wear a similar size. Actually, what we did was I would try something on for the basic size um, thing, to, because, because as you said, we wear the same size. But then Deb, the proprietress of Redress, um, actually tried that one top on because Deb has boobs and I don't. So we're like, you combine these two pictures in your head and you can get a vague idea of what the shirt will look like on you. Y'all, I it's it's a pink, you know those shirts that have like tuxedo shirts printed on them? That's what it is. It's pink, it's a tuxedo shirt and it's cut off kind of flash dance style, which is amazing and it's got little like beads on it in a couple of places. It's embellished. It's it's astounding. I love they, it so much. They actually had it in both non-flash dance and flash dance styles. And I had to text Marianne and be like, do you want flash dance flavor or non-flash dance flavor? And I was like, well, that's a silly question. <laughs> Which I knew, but I didn't want to assume. <laughs> I think it's pretty much safe to always assume that I'll go with the flash dance flavor. Um <laughs> But so, yeah, I got like, I still have this picture of you in the shirt over your clothes, (laughs) making the most ridiculous face ever. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm having a totally normal day at work. I'm like, you know, that comma doesn't go there. That's not a complete sentence whatever and then 
I'm also like on an alternate track of reality shopping in New York City with my friend. <laughs> and so it was kind of magically awesome. And I got a really sweet adamant bolero out of it. Yes, that was that was that was a totally unexpected find. But that was one of those things where I saw it and I was like, oh, my God, Marianne needs this jacket. Like, if you hadn't wanted it, I still would have got it and sent it to you anyway. <laughs> Be like, no, this jacket spoke to me and it says it belongs to you. It's and like, it does. I love it's it. It's like like this pink and it's lined. It's got like lace edging and there's like explosions of crap on it. Like. <laughs> I'm describing it really badly. <laughs> you are. You are. It's a little bol. It's kind of like a little bolero thing. It's got a little high fitted neck and it's lined with lace and there's a little pin on it that's sort of if you were an, I don't know, a lieutenant in Adam Ant's army. <laughs> I think he'd be a left. If it was Adam Ant's army, I think he'd be a lieutenant. (laughs) That's a good point. You make an excellent (laughs) point there, (laughs) ma'am. But yeah, so that was another instance of sort of this community that you know. Admittedly, in this case, it was a two-person community, but you know, still of of you know, you and I. And this just happened last night, where I was at Marshall's last night, and I found your boots, basically. Um, they're these patent leather docks. Um, in Hot pink. Scre- yeah, total screaming. And they had one pair. They were on clearance, and they were in my size. And this happens. This has happened to me my whole life with docks. Like whenever I find, I find every ridiculous pair of Doc Martens that I've ever owned, I found on clearance at Marshalls in my size, the only one. Like it was waiting for me. And I took a picture and I, I texted it to Marianne. I'm like, I, I have to, don't I? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't leave these boots here. They're for me, right? And yeah, so I mean, this is, it's, it's just interesting because, you know, there's not many. How many opportunities do we have like that in general? Like, you know, normally I would, without the magic of social media. I would, you know, go and see this, and then I would, like, tell you about it later. But yeah, it's not you're the same thing. Capable. You're perfectly capable of making a shopping decision on your own. Like, Indeed. I think we're all pretty good, you know. I think the usual experience is you go shopping with your thin friends, and they all buy stuff. And then you go shopping again by yourself to Blaine Bryant or Torrid or wherever or online. Like, it's... Fat shopping is usually a really isolating experience. Yeah. And it's kind of ridiculous that we have had to resort to, you know, social media to to counter that. I think part of it is because it tends to have an element of shame about it that, you know, if if and I don't think that that's necessarily something you or I consciously are dealing with, but I think most um, if, you know, maybe just a majority of fat women have a certain amount of shame around, you know, having to go out and shop because, you know, if, the, if you're not happy with yourself and you're not happy with your body, shopping isn't a joy and a social fun activity. It's, you know, a, a freaking chore to get through. It's kind of a chore anyway sometimes because the options suck so much. 
But I think what we've seen with Ditto Watch and with remote shopping is that it doesn't have to be. That, oh, yeah. That we can have that. I mean, I one thing I should <clears throat> sort of give a little background. I grew up probably the most critical defining social activity that my mom and I engaged in was shopping. That, you know, we, and I still have these periods where I'll be, you know, she's the one who taught me how to shop at Marshall's and how to find good stuff and what to look for. And, you know, she really trained me as a consumer, never, ever pay full price for anything because you don't have to. And this was like a huge thing. My parents got divorced when I was six and my father had custody of me. So I saw my mom on weekends or like every two weeks or so. And we did a ridiculous amount of shopping. And that was like our primary bonding activity for many, right. many years. And as a result, you know, sort of I have this, all these pleasant, happy, because I was, I was a fat kid even then. But, you know, when you're a kid and you're fat, it just means you wear grown-up sizes. It doesn't mean you're necessarily sized out of a store. So, you know, my, you know, I could go shopping with my mom and we could, you know, until I got into high school, we could find stuff that would, you know, fit me somewhere. Um, and yeah, so that was just sort of this very, and even if I didn't find stuff for myself, just going with her was this, this, you know, sort of fun. I didn't have, you know, there, I guess what I'm trying to say is there was no point in my life where I thought of shopping as this unpleasant chore to be gotten through. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always sort of associated it with being social and having a good time and not even being upset or sad if I didn't find something to buy because that wasn't, it wasn't about making a purchase. It was about going out and like, you know, goofing around and trying stuff on and putting on all the hats in the store and, you know, like just sort of, you know, having that, that social time. So, and I miss that a lot, not just with my mom, but with other people. So I think for me, having this sort of communal experience. And in this case, in the case of the Beth Ditto collection, I mean, one that extended around the world, even. That's, that's fucking that's the, magical. That's the <laughs> coolest thing in the entire world to me, is that exactly everybody, like, it, it, it kind of didn't matter where people were or what they were doing. We all sort of paused and had this moment. Yeah. Um, and that's sorry, go ahead. And I don't know, like, that's one of the things where I'm like, I love living in the future. Yeah. I know we don't have flying cars and I'm OK with that because I have a hard enough time with, you know, a car that drives on the ground. <laughs> but <laughs> but that I have the ability to, you know, follow a link that someone on the other side of the planet has given me so that we can all squee about a dress. You know, that that's it, it's one of those ridiculous things where it's easily dismissed, mm -hmm. but it actively changes people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is actually a really good segue into um, talking about sort of the internationalization of fat activism in general. And um, we're good at segways. We are. We kick ass at segways. We should do a whole podcast all segways. That would be the most surreal and existential thing ever. It would be. It'd be like existential flame war. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we could keep it up for an hour, but <laughs> I, we want for those of you that don't know, existential flame war is. I don't even know where to begin to describe it. It's hilarious. 
<laughs> it really, really is. There's no actual substance or content. It's all it's a tropes journal community, of just flame to, war. To clarify that. Yeah. It's all tropes of a flame war. So you wind up with comment threads that are like, impassioned and earnest, yet entirely misguided, you know, screed about current political topic. <laughs> and someone will respond to that with dry, sarcastic use of macro. And you know, like, someone will respond to that with Godwin. And then <laughs> someone will respond to that with, you just use Godwin. <laughs> Why is this so funny? Like, it's just so funny. I think it's so funny because there is such a recognizable pattern of behavior in Flame Wars. It's incredibly, it's because it's so self-aware, and, and Flame Wars are very much not self-aware, um, because by their nature they tend to take shit really, really seriously. So to have something that, that sort of imposes that self-awareness onto an otherwise totally humorless argument. It, it, it's a relief. It's not even so much that it's just funny as it's an incredible tension breaker. Yeah. <laughs> that explains why I look at it in the midst of internet drama, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So international um, fashion community, fat acceptance around the big fat globe. Well, it's, it's you know, we recently had an interesting sort of insight to this bit because in... It was in Sydney, right? Yes. In um, Sydney, Australia, they recently, um, I think Sam Murray was the one who set it up. Yep. Um, she's together, awesome like that. <laughs> put together a Fast Studies conference, which um, I'm pretty sure was the first Fast Studies conference to happen in Australia. And, you know, there were a lot of attendees who were tweeting about it um, continuously throughout the event. And, and quite a few videos have gone up of people's uh, presentations. And there was this really part of what was interesting to me was not only be, being able to sort of witness to, to it um, as it's happening in real time, but also the incredible sort of joy and, and amazement that so many of the attendees felt um, from being in this environment. Because I think Australian fat studies is, is a little bit, not much, but just a little, as an academic discipline, is a little bit behind in the U.S., probably because we're fatter, man, yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, I think one of the interesting things about the Australian Fat Studies Conference, as opposed to some of the Fat Studies Conferences that I have read about having happened in the U.S., mm -hmm. is that there was an explicit inclusion of fat acceptance in their programming. Like, it was designed that way. Mm-hmm. And well, that's that's actually for the for the um, fat studies uh, conferences and panels that um, I've been aware of. That's been intrinsically part of it. That's good. Because I mean, that would if not, I mean, that's that's that you would wind up losing the panel to debates over the merit of the subject itself, rather than actually talking about. Yeah what you're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> so I think that that, I know in the U.S., and I had said this on Twitter, we had had the Fat in the Academy conference, which happened at Smith in, um, shit, I think it was 2006. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check. The, the website for that is still up, so I'll have to check that out. Um, there was that, um, the PCACA has sort of like a, a standing fat studies subsection. Yeah. Um, and there's another one, which I still can't freaking remember, some other academic... 
um, association that has um, every year has a because a lot of these academic um, you know associations are these massive massive lumbering behemoths. Yeah, and I think it's easier to ride on a fat studies uh, section um, onto an existing uh, association's conference rather than try to build. I mean, because building one from the ground up. Whew, I mean, I I, ooh, I know the woman who actually put together the Fat in the Academy conference at Smith, and I don't know how she did it, like, and, yeah. and survived to tell the tale, because that seems like <laughs> such a huge, huge undertaking. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with academics who um, often are not the most reliable people. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, academics. I do. I really do. <laughs> but, yeah. So um, there was the Australian conference that happened, and that was that was sort of that. I mean, I don't know how you. I know you were actually chatting with people throughout that on Twitter. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that, because I, I mostly read and just sort of quietly observed, but you were engaging. Well, <laughs> I like to engage. Like I'm a chatty person. <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling judged for some reason. No, never. <laughs> um, well, there was a lot of excitement leading up to it. And I think maybe that's what defines it um, or differentiates it in my mind is that there was a lot of excitement leading up to it and while I have known people to present at these other conferences, they have been like serious academics. Yeah. Pursuing serious PhDs and that sort of thing. But this seemed to encompass a much wider range of types of people, mm-hmm. you know, not just self-identified or otherwise academics. Yeah. And, um, and you know, their one of their keynote speakers was, was, was an activist. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there was a, a real emphasis on activism that Which seems Charlotte Cooper, just so people know. Yes, um, that seems to have excited a lot of people, and so there was a lot of chatter about it uh, to begin with. And I was like, God, curse that fifteen hundred dollar plane ticket <laughs> that it would it would cost me to fly to the other side of the world because. I think I think the excitement beforehand is really what got me involved in following what happened. And then as it was going on, people were immediately, through the magic of social media, posting, you know, reactions to talks and pictures of, oh, I finally got to meet these people and hanging out and already sort of talking about things they want to talk about for another time. And even though I didn't get to be there, you know, I I got to sort of experience live, as it were, some of the reactions of people that were there. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Like, you know what it is? It's that, yes, we have the, like, Smith had a fat in the Academy conference, but I don't feel like that's accessible to me. Mm-hmm. And somehow this other, you know, this other conference had a very accessible feeling to it. Well, what was what's nice about this and what's nice about any emerging academic discipline, I would argue, and um, 
this was actually true of the Founding Academy Conference too, is that when you're an emerging discipline, you can't, you don't have the luxury of exclusively appealing to academics. And I can't speak for Australia, but I know that in the U.S., um, there's a a pretty clear line of demarcation socially yeah. and culturally between academics and activists. Um, Fat in the Academy was, was one of the reasons why it was an impressive undertaking is that it didn't keep to that. It had um, the, you know, at the time, Katie Lebesco was probably the foremost um, academic working in Fat Studies. And she was there, but Marilyn Wan was there. And um, Paul Campos was there, who's sort of an academic, but writes, you know, popular books. Um, on the subject, and um, Paul. I'm not like dissing the conference. Oh I'm no, just... no, no! What I'm saying is, you know, they and Paul from Big Fat Blog was there, which was an interesting addition, I thought. Yeah. And um, you know, so they had, they really, you know, that, and I. It sounds like the Fast Studies Conference in Australia sort of did the same thing, where yeah, they had the standard, you know, the bog standard academics that you would expect to see at such an event, but they really sort of opened the doors to anyone who's doing any kind of work on this and who is willing to talk about it and present yeah. it. And I think that is awesome. I think that more, you know, academic conferences would benefit from that because I feel like, and this is just me editorializing about academia, um, <laughs> I feel like there is a lot of, you know, there's there's always a danger with academics that if you're, you know, if you're too head down in your own research and in your own little academic world, you can forget that there are actual people, <laughs> you know, sort of out there working and fighting for the stuff every day of their lives just as a part of who they are and, and how they live. And I think bringing, and to some extent, you know, in a, on a much smaller scale, I think that was the purpose of the panel in New York that I was a part of um, in April or I May. I really wish I'd been able to go to that. That, that was, was awesome. Yeah. That was really fascinating because likewise it sought to bring and I, I was I found it amazing that I got to be one of the activists <laughs> representing. <laughs> um because I've been on both sort of sides of that fence. Um sometimes at the same time. And you know, but yeah, that had they had actual academics and activists sort of all coming together and we all were all talked about what we do. And that too was that was really fascinating and and interesting to me and sort of reminded me why I initially sort of, you know, enjoyed academia was that, you know, you have the spirit of free inquiry and that you could talk about ideas in in these very sort of overthinky and meticulous ways and, you know, come up with stuff and, and brainstorm and it's just this very for for someone who is, you know, probably a little over intellectual like myself, <laughs> you know, that's that's a lot of fun. Like that's that's as fun as riding a go kart to me. Did anybody <laughs> videotape it though? Yes, and I don't know if if that ever went, I think that did go up live because I think I linked to it at some point. Um, because that, that's one of the things, like, as people were coming home from the Fat Studies Conference in Australia, they were posting video of their talks or posting their papers or, you know, giving mm -hmm. recaps. And, <laughs> like, it feels more like a convention than, yes, than a conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, you know, would be, I mean, I, I think having something like that in the U.S. would be awesome. I just, um, I'm going to totally be one of those people who's like, someone else should do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I may have the energy to organize a blog carnival, but yeah. even that, I'm still like, do I, really, Marianne, really? 
That's <laughs> <laughs> your inner Julia. It is my inner Julia. It it says things to me all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, somebody get on that, please. <laughs> but it's also one of those things where I'm like, well, if they're going to do it again next year, maybe I could save up $1,500 for playing fair. And maybe. Maybe I could go to the other side of the world. <laughs> sure. For a three-day conference. No problem. <laughs> and I totally would is the thing. Like, sure. Absolutely. Like, that's one of the things I love about social media. And what I love about social media as it is functioning specifically in fat acceptance mm-hmm. is that you know, as we all sort of become more connected and involved and in each other's communities, it, it it's counterintuitive. It shrinks the world. Yeah. You know, it makes it all so much more present and there. And I think that's kind of fucking magical. It's totally magical. And you know what? It really does make me feel like we have so much more potential to change the world because we're not working in isolation. Like pre-internet and pre-my involvement, I guess, in activism on the internet, um, you know, there's you and you're fat and you're in your community. And even if you manage not to be, you know, self-loathing, you don't have a sort of support network in place. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it feels very isolating. Mm-hmm. And if you do live somewhere that has like a BBW community or, you know, an active no lose chapter, then you get, you know, a little bit more local support. And that is awesome because in-person activism is also vital and fundamental to the success of the movement. But well, it makes it makes you realize why you do what you do and that it's not I mean very often you know it's easy to dismiss activism as you know well you're just seeking validation for yourself and but then when you meet other people like you know a good example that I've heard a lot of people use and that I could use for myself is like the first time you go to the fat girl flea market in New York yeah um, which they're actually going to do again next year and I am so fucking happy about that yeah I'll definitely you know sort of I don't know if there's anything actively on the um I was I was looking for stuff the other day like is it going to happen this year because I have never gone and I would like to well Deb who runs redress used to do it and now that she has this fabulous ass kicking store to run um, I think has sort of you know passed the torch and for a while nobody was picking it up and I think someone has finally picked it up and has said yes we're going to do one in in 2011 awesome. Um, So there is going to be another one, but like the first, you know, and I've heard people say this a bunch of times because again, sort of bringing this full circle, like we like to do, um, shopping together is such circles are fat. It's, (laughs) it is sort of, it's sort of a universally, well, not universally, but it's, it's a communal experience that is accessible. Yeah. To people, much more accessible than going to a conference or listening to a, a, someone present a paper. Um, so having the experience at the Fat Girl Flea is something that sticks with you because it's it's something that is both normalized and completely unique 
So I walk into the fat girl flea market for the first time and I look around and I mean, as you well know, Marianne, I've been engaged with fat activism in some manner or another since, oh, I would say 1999 or 2000. And yeah. I went to my first fat girl flea market and I was floored because I'm like, this is the most awesome fatties that I've ever seen in a room together. And half of them are, are like half undressed because they're trying on clothes. <laughs> and I think that's really awesome that demonstration of a lack of body shame. Mm-hmm. Like just, well, I mean, it's normalizing, but I feel like it is also an incredibly powerful political like environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we sit here talking about this, I'm like, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that I live in a town with, you know, Lane Bryant's and a Lane Bryant outlet and Avenue and Torrid and and all of these things. I can order I, I I can order from anywhere in the world. And I am still in my head going, I will have to plan a trip to New York yeah. to take part in this fat girl flea market next year. Like Well, it's because it has there's an element of actual activism in yeah. that. That, you know, this isn't, this is a benefit for a radical organization and it tends to draw radical fatties. And, you know, I can go to my Lane Bryant and I can strike up a conversation with a woman in my Lane Bryant. Absolutely. Not that I would because I'm an introvert, but I could (laughs) (laughs) if I wanted to. And, you know, if I I were there, maybe you would do that. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, for the most part, you know, that's not. It's not the same thing as being in this atmosphere that, you know, and, and it's not to say that everyone who goes is, is totally, you know, crazy radical. That's absolutely not true. There are people of all different, you know, sort of backgrounds and levels of interest that come just for the shopping. But it is this incredibly, there's this incredible sense of sol- solidarity and, and, you know, for lack of a better word, sisterhood. Or you could say brotherhood, or you could... I don't know if there's a gender-neutral way of saying that. There needs um, to be a gender-neutral way of saying that. There should be, because it's, you know, comradeship, I guess, would be the best alternative. <laughs> that um, just reeks of epaulots. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Comrade you know, there, Leslie. There is... <laughs> But there is this, you know, and and this is part of why Ditto Watch is awesome, and this is, you know, why it's never just about clothing, that there's something more that happens when you are particularly a fat person who gives a shit about dressing stylishly and making a spectacle out of yourself, because that's a political decision, and this is not to dismiss people who are not interested in style or fashion. I'm not saying you're bad or, or, or not good activists. It's just not how you choose to, you know, not one of the ways in which you choose to express your activism. That's well, fine. Well, I do think that that is an activist statement in and of itself because there is no compulsion. Like, it is perfectly acceptable for, you know, a college co-ed to go to school in pajama pants and a tank top. Yeah. But if a fat person does it, they're a slob. They're a slob. I mean, th- there's yeah. an incredible double standard there that I'm very interested in busting. I don't think we all need to be all like on presentation all the time, especially exactly. if you're not interested in it. Exactly. And I, I don't mean to say to force that upon anyone, but for someone like me, for whom this has been a huge part of my life and my activism for so long, to experience that connection with other people 
who are also trying to do this because you know let's face it it's hard it's hard to go out yeah. and and be stare i mean i was out all day yesterday wearing my ridiculous you know this one ruffled shakti dress that i swear to god like must have freak on it in invisible ink or something because i, I saw get... the picture of you apple picking it was super cute outfit <laughs> thank you uh, but I feel like whenever I wear this dress, I get stares and whispers more than any other dress. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't really bug me. Like, I only I, I only get angry if people are really overt about it because I don't know what they're saying. They could be saying, hey, look at that awesome fat girl. She's shameless. And that would make <laughs> me happy. Um, so I don't like to assume that they're being mean. But, um, but yeah, you know, this, this it, it is hard to, you know, sort of dress yourself up like that and and draw attention and just sort of deal with any knowing that you know by making yourself visible you're gonna you put yourself at risk for repercussions yeah and so to be in a room full of people who are like oh my god look at this you know electric orange you know (laughs) cutaway tank top i'm totally gonna wear this to work tomorrow (laughs) like (laughs) that's awesome to to me that you know you can (laughs) The other thing that I really like about the Fat Girl Flea, conceptually, since I've never been, versus Ditto Watch, which I loved, and I love that people are still using the hashtag. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, is that, you know, even in the midst of Ditto Watch, there were people who were like, well, I'm broke, so that effectively ruins Ditto Watch for me. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't have a huge shopping budget. I, I sort of had to restrain myself mightily because I like being able to pay my rent and I don't want to blow, you know, bill money on clothes. And but... you're already risking your husband's safety. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was probably too much information. <laughs> and your selfish desire for dresses. <laughs> I know. For... See, now I have to explain. My Sorry. husband... <laughs> I was spinning wild Ditto Watch fantasies in my brain one day, and my husband text messaged me like, I need new tires. Do you think we could get me new tires this weekend? And my husband is still in school, so I I tend to be the one who covers large purchases. Mm-hmm. And my my brain goes, no, <laughs> I need dresses. Because <laughs> the tires will be there two weeks from now. The dresses will not. <laughs> and I was like, but my husband's safety on the road is more important. Oh. <sighs> yeah, sorry. Sorry for the little sidetrack there. I just thought that was hilarious. But mostly because it's totally, it's totally something that I would, like, agonize over, like, safety of someone I love, fabulous clothing. <laughs> hmm. Well, I wasn't really agonizing, but I was having this like, God damn it, why did this happen to me? <laughs> like moment of, of self-pity there. Mm-hmm. Um, conceptually, the thing that I, I, one of the things that I really appreciate about the Fat Girl Flea Market is that as long as you're in the area, it is a lot more accessible to a wider range of fiscal yes. groups, um, you know, because it's a flea market and the prices seem to be, let's just say, a whole lot cheaper than ordering the Beth Ditto collection from overseas. Yeah, there, there's usually like a chart 
that's like, you know, dresses are $6, pants are $4 or whatever. I'm probably, and there are exceptions. Like sometimes there would be like, there would be a ton of Svoboda, I can never say that word, um, <laughs> Svoboda jeans, um, which obviously would be like 20 bucks each or something, because those are usually very expensive. Yeah. But um, for the most part, for the big heaps of clothing that you're going through, that's exactly how it works. You know, it's like if you find a dress, it's going to be $6 or $8 or whatever. I don't know what it is now, because um, it's, you know, I, I haven't been for a while. But, you know, there's, <laughs> there's flat, there's sort of flat rate stuff, which is much more. And I actually... I don't I think I don't know if it was the first year I went or the second year but somehow I wound up getting drafted into working and I actually paid admission too if you work you're not supposed to have to pay admission but I got oh, drafted into, to working and and help in you know where people were paying on their way out and people would come through and I swear Marianne people would come through where you know you sort of think like wow like I guess this this woman is not going to do any more shopping for the rest of the year like she's set <laughs> because they would come with these huge huge piles of clothing um for a ridiculously small amount of yeah. money and it's good stuff you know they don't you know crap stuff doesn't make it to the tables generally yeah. speaking so yeah <laughs> but yeah so i think we covered everything we wanted to cover well i do want to um on the on the you know fatty's international tip um, I did want to mention that as an outgrowth of the FAP Studies Conference, and um, I'm sending you the link now. Sweet. And, <laughs> and, and as a really exciting thing that I'm very much looking forward to, uh, there are – Nick in Australia is working on starting an Australian FAT podcast. Sweet. Which I can't wait to listen to. <laughs> Like, that's going, that's immediately going on my podcast list. And, like, one of the things he mentions is that, you know, oh, you've probably heard about Leslie and Marianne doing the podcast in America. He would like to do one to talk about, you know, specific Australian fashion issues and and fat studies issues and, you know, fat acceptance issues in general. And... I think that's amazing. That I think that's so happy. <laughs> I know. I'm like giddy at the thought of there being more fat podcasts specifically from around the world so that I can, you know, listen to them, which is a really like way full of self-interest way of being excited about things. But, you know, I want to learn about how this is functioning in other countries and hear more. And I just I want there to be more. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's we awesome. should totally link to that. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's going to have a different format from what I understand than ours. Like mm -hmm. it'll be, um, it won't be rambling from two crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it may be you want to replicate the complete insanity of our podcast. <laughs> it may be ramblings from more people and the people will change. Like it's not going to be the same people every time. That's awesome. I'm so, so, so excited. I'm excited about that. And in a purely selfish note, I'm really excited that our ridiculous podcast has even, you know, in a tiny way inspired someone else to do this, too, because, you know, I mean, let's be honest, what you and I do is just off the cuff and completely unscripted and unplanned and badly edited by me. <laughs> 
so I'm really excited that, you know, other people, even if other people are listening, be like, dude, I could do this so much better. I'm totally happy about that. To, yes, you know, do it. Yes, do it. Because we're, you know, excited to see the, the, the podcasting love spread. What was on Saturday Night Live when um, Mike Myers did the little fake coffee show? Like coffee talk show. What was the name of that show? Was it coffee it was, talk? I think it was coffee talk. I feel like this it was is like discuss what... among yourselves or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's what we have here is like a little fat coffee talk. <laughs> <laughs> because in essence, this is what we do when we hang out. Yeah. Except usually we're at the mall looking at, you know, eyeliner or something as well. Yeah. I, I guess maybe we're just lucky that people are amused by our antics. <laughs> that we don't have to try very hard. <laughs> Aww. Aww. But no, we love all of our listeners and we love the comments that you leave, even the comments that are like, you guys are totally wrong. <laughs> I love getting critical comments and I love, you know, hearing from people. And I think that, you know, that's, I don't know, that makes me really, really happy. Yeah, well, I mean, if 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 you disagree, it means that you've listened in the first place, and then we can talk about it. And, I mean, I'm an extrovert. I'm a junkie for conversation. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much my motivation right there is that I do. I like talking to people. I mostly just like being challenged. Like, yeah. I really like it, and I love it when people do it on my blog, too. And I don't mean, like, trolls, but I mean, like, people who actually legitimately... Yeah. you know, have sort of a, make a thoughtful criticism. And I, I love the crap yeah. out of that because either it will make me rethink my position or it will make me strengthen my position one yeah. way or the other. And, you know, we all benefit just from thinking and talking and being awesome together. Well, I think that, I mean, I've said it before as far as, you know, intersectionality goes, but I think it's true also of, um, differences of opinion in general. Um, like we got a really great comment on the last podcast about food, mm-hmm. about, you know, the morality and ethics bet- behind eating and that sort of thing. But, you know, when we have comments like that and when we have this, this sort of international point of view, I think it strengthens the movement for everyone. Yeah. And, and I'm really, really interested in that happening. So. I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, um, I do also have to say, um, apparently, Doodle Banana Kittenable, which did I, I tweet- just hallucinate that? What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> I tweeted that we were recording a podcast, and I got the "plant a code word in it" kind of <laughs> back, and that was the suggested code word. So there you go. There's no real easy way to slip that into conversation. You know, that was, you could have, you could have come up with a way, you could have said, you know, that, that zigzag dress is doodle, banana, whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to start what calling I also you, do- um, my work- new, my new pet name for you is doodle banana. So <laughs> we'll make sure we get that into every podcast henceforth. <laughs> well, apparently every time, like every time you say great big fat person or great big fat, mm-hmm. immediately in my head, I'm like silence of the lambs. Was she a great big fat? <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and I kind of want like just that clip. I want that for my ringtone now. Was she a great big fat person? <laughs> <laughs> 
If we were a real um, you know, sort of like radio show, I would have that on like a, an automatic button that I could push. Like, you know, yeah, that would be awesome. You know what's really funny is that that movie, she's like a 14, 16. Yeah. And he's all great. And he's, he's a great for, big fat person. He's targeting great big fat people so he can make oh. his woman dress. Oh, but, my God. <laughs> if he kill if he killed me first, he could have stopped. He would have had enough. <laughs> I'm like, you are not very efficient. Like, dude, Hello, dude, Bill? just find on a really fat person, and you are all good, and nobody has to put the lotion on its skin. <laughs> all right. Oh my God, we're both bad people. You have been listening to Fatcast um, and and our our typical <laughs> derangedness. I am Leslie Kinzel. I am Marianne Kirby. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening. You have been listening to Fatcast. The music you've heard in this episode is by NSA. Fatcast is shared with you under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License.